0: if you've heard this one before, uh, Man United were 1-0 down at half-time and uh, won the game away from home in the Premier League
1: in season 2020-2021. Wouldn't it just be fairer on everyone if we just started the game at half-time, 1-0 down? Just just do that. I mean, fixture congestion problem solved. Yeah, Yeah, Everyone can just, you know, have another hour back of their lives. (laughs) The opposition
0: would be like really glad because they'd all back themselves. They'd be like, yeah, we'll be the exception to the rules. But no, you won't. Bruno Fernandez is inevitable.
1: Um, well, you know what's inevitable? Is... Penendez scoring. Penenka not scoring. Oh, yeah, yeah. You make a good point. Sergio. I, I was disappointed, to be honest, in Bruno. Like just context, right? You know, of the weekend and what happened. Just just chip <laughs> it in. Come on, Bruno. <laughs> Especially since
0: every single Bruno Fernandes penalty is a spiritual penenka, anyway, because they're all about. Well, they're not all about, because he's so good. He's good at every type of penalty. He's like, today was the hops, so skip and the jump, sit the keeper down, and slip it the other way. But when the keeper doesn't go, on, he Paul. bangs it in the top corner. What? No. Oh, no I don't, mind. don't know what. I don't even know what I said. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> I just mean, got, you're so right. He can. He can hit it clean and hard, Hani. Uh, but most most of the time, I you know, I would say seventy five percent of the time it's disguise, and and he did that perfectly today. Unlike Sergio Aguero, um, yeah. Um, Mike, he, Michael Owen desperately trying to defend that, saying he hit it perfectly. Yeah, Michael.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um. Uh. On match of the day, they they said uh, In right said that's good Panenka. and I was like, what. And he goes, you know, I was thinking, why is he doing this? And then they showed a clip of Gary Nineker doing like a one-foot-high Penenka and the keeper just gathering it up. And the context was set for that particular reference. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's very weird that Aguero tweeted saying he's sorry to everyone for penenka Like, you're all right, mate. You've done... Why why, why does
1: he feel the need to apologise for that? I hope it's the last significant thing he does for City. I mean, you know, it's not like I'm bitter after 2012 by yeah no, of course not <laughs> nine years ago by the way yeah. nine years ago all
0: very nearly a decade <laughs> since that happened amazing how time works isn't it yeah but it really the thing is like people always say stuff like that but it really is amazing how time works like that feels like about a week and a half ago in a way and also another lifetime all at the same time so um the first half also feels like a bit of a week and a bit like a week and a half ago the first half of villa the villa game um yeah i mean united were brilliant for the first 10 minutes of that game slick passing you you drew reference to
1: shoberto carlos yep um yeah it was good intensity wasn't it for at the yeah. beginning of this game exactly what was needed you know put these uh these villains in their place um but it just didn't last i mean i, I do not like, Villa got into the game, but it felt like United's intensity dropped quite a bit. You know, the the, the passing was you know, slick, yes, fast, they were moving. Uh, Shaw was bombing up that left-hand side, got shot in, didn't he? That was the kind of last um, significant sort of moment for United in that first half. And then it, it all kind of drifted away, which was kind of worrying. Although, I don't know, it shouldn't be, should it? Given that United now have 31 points. From losing positions this season, which is, which is more than any of the bottom three have got from any position this season. <laughs> Stunning, really. I
0: mean, it is absolutely extraordinary, and so much of it away from home as well. Wolves, if we avoid defeat to Wolves on the last day of the season, um, that's a unbeaten season
1: away from home. Yeah, are we going to be the like invincibles? Half half, half in, dem, demi invincibles or something? <laughs> Yeah, uh, like, um, I mean, it's, it's stunning. Also, actually, if you if you put in context of the whole season, United lost three of the first six after they'd had no pre-season. 34 yeah. days and one pre-season fixture. Um, yeah. So, yeah, everyone was undercooked. So it took, what, the standard five or six games to get, get moving? <laughs> yeah. Lost three of those first six and they've lost one since then um, in the league. And that's was to it's Sheffield United, which was, which was mental as well. Uh, yeah, exactly. Like the, It was to Sheffield
0: United and we was literally robbed. You know, they had a goal that should have been chalked off allowed, and we had a goal that shouldn't have been chalked off. Right, chalked off. So basically, United haven't really properly lost a game since Spurs. No, there was one after that, wasn't there? It was a couple of games later, we lost one 0 to Arsenal, and that was the last time that's we it. kind of actually lost a so game. We've
1: only lost a really dreadful sides this season. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Spurs, yeah. Arsenal, Sheffield United. <laughs> In the league, that is. I mean, Europe's slightly yeah. different, but yeah. Yes. Uh, so I mean, look, that's, I think that's good, positive context for for the whole the season as a whole. It's a, it's been a season of progression. Whatever yeah. happens in these last few games, and it's, they're kind of weird, aren't they? Much in the the same way those first few games this season were weird. These last yeah. few, Leicester, Liverpool, Fulham, all back to back, basically. Oh no, there's a couple of days for the Fulham extra days for the Fulham game. Whoa, mm. they get they might get a slight. You know, rest day, Uh, but it's it wouldn't be surprising if United like were turned over against Leicester with a much changed side, or Liverpool on Thursday not needing it so much. Who knows? You know. Yeah,
0: I mean Leicester are in. uh, I mean Leicester desperately need it. We'll talk more about that on the backers' content. Well, I guess we'll talk about it in the preview. of that but yeah it's it, there's going to be a lot of like custom tables from after the Spurs game to the beginning of this game like to the end of this game in terms of working out what United's actual real season was
1: like Yeah I mean look it, it it is hard the the weaknesses in the United side are really obvious aren't they and <laughs> so Joel Glazer even you know what the weaknesses are mate if you really want to apologize you can you can start this summer we won't forgive you but you know it's like it's like when you, you 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 do something wrong, you bring the the misses flowers and chocolates, don't you? That's what Joel Glazer needs to do for the fans. It's flowers and the chocolates, and then we'll think about forgiving him, which we won't.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll talk about the Joel Glazer open letter a bit later in the show. I guess we'll break it break it down a bit because uh, I mean it was absolutely fascinating, but more on that later. Yeah, but, um, but talking, the, you know,
1: the, the the point is the weaknesses were sort of you know, one of the big ones uh, in in terms of our double pivot and central defence were kind of exposed for the Villa goal, weren't they? Which, which goes down as a, you know, a fabulous strike and a really low XG chance. But it's three mistakes, the pass from Fred, the miscontrol from McTominay and the pathetic, I can't think of a better word, absolutely pathetic attempt at clearing it by Victor Lindelof, who wasn't even challenged. I was like, I just assumed after it happened that he was just bullied off the ball because standard Victor Lindelof bullied yeah. off the ball. He wasn't. He just expected to be bullied off the ball.
0: <laughs> X X bullied off the ball once. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> um, you know, and, yeah, so, and,
1: and Traore's a decent unit, isn't he? But he's not the biggest, strongest forward there is in the game. It's just, oh, I just, I can't oh, Victor Lindelof. It's so pathetic. Um, the when I saw the team sheets. My first thought
0: was Douglas Louise and John McGinn against McFred. That seems like, oh dear, that could be a bit of a problem area. And in fact, it, Douglas Louise um, was not part of that. It was just John McGinn against McFred because um, he pressed Fred well. I mean, he did. He was he was aggressive in the press, but Fred completely panicked and sold McTominay down the river. I mean, yeah. you say it was a miscontrol and it was a miscontrol, but it was like... Expecting better. I mean, it was you shouldn't be put in that position by your teammates, really. Should no, we've you? seen this um, from Fred
1: before, quite recently, really. When he, he put a straight yeah. one back to Maguire, right? Uh, forgotten the game it was in, but uh, there was the one also, of course,
0: that he tried to pass back to Henderson, right? But didn't yes. have enough power on it. That was uh, then scored. But uh, the Lindelof, I mean, that was bad. But that can happen right? Your midfielders can be pressed off the ball. You don't yeah. want them to be, but it can happen. I mean, Fred is just not very good. But Lindelof, like you said, like um you see that once and you think, okay, well that's just classic Victor Lindelof. And then you watch the replay and you realize, no, he's had time and space to make a clearance and just got his feet all wrong and tapped Tapped it out, thinking that's going to do enough, just doesn't get enough on the ball. Uh, Triary can easily uh, gather it, and it's, something. I that's it's an absolutely brilliant shot from Triary, obviously. Um,
1: yes, yeah, so it's but, the definition of the top bins, that one, isn't it? The postage yeah, yeah. stamp, but it couldn't be any further into the corner, so it's, it's a great strike. And and apart from that, Lindelof would have got away with it, uh, but he mm-hmm. didn't. And and those mistakes, uh, you know, both systemic because of. You know the, the way United play with those two deep sitting there invites a lot of shots, um, but individual errors is, that we see a lot. We've we seen them in key games. You know, um, we we had a long chat in the the WhatsApp group before recording about United's defensive record, which is you know compared to everyone else, as you rightly pointed out, is is pretty good this season. But those kind of individual errors seem to creep in all the time. And we saw it especially in Europe, I'll be Leipzig game that Istanbul ball game, um, mm. yeah looking very static against Paris Saint-Germain, especially in Europe, it's looked bad. Um, but also in the Premier League, it's it's 36 goals. It's not horrendous, um, but it's probably going, you know, assuming that United don't keep four clean, clean sheets from here, it'll, it'll be the worst defensive record bar one in the last six seasons. So, you know, yeah. it's not awesome either.
0: No, I mean almost a third of those goals conceded in the first four games of the season. Because yeah. by by the end of that Spurs game, we'd conceded eleven. So we've actually, you know, conceded whatever it is twenty five in the last thirty one games, which is point eight goals a game. If that had included the first four games of the season, we'd be we'd have conceded twenty seven for the season. Talking about what a
1: fantastic amount of, and you know, and that, would be, you that say, would be very good. There would there yeah. would be very good, you know, but both both this season and and in context over the last decade or so. So it, it it's just uh, I ca- can't look at that and not panic. Sometimes the individual mistakes. I mean, um, good on them for trying to keep possession by playing the ball out short all of the time. And um, one of the lowest you know launching it percentages um, in the Premier League. United, but don't half make me panic when the other team pressed them. I mean, yeah, I, I think they think they're a lot better at playing the ball out than they really are. But there's there's a real gap between perception
0: and reality when it comes to United season, and I can't work out which one is right. Because like even the underlying data is not, it doesn't, I mean, United are slightly outperforming stuff, but it's not there's nothing statistically freakish about what's happening like united are creating about the same number of chances as they're scoring they're conceding about the same number of chances that they're conceding um within a kind of completely reasonable range And, you know, um, as you rightly pointed out, the the thing that happened after the Spurs game was the whole rest of the season, he's played with a double pivot uh, to protect almost the whole rest of the season, to protect that kind of uh, wobbly central... I was going to say back four, but it's not back four, is it? It's wobbly central defenders. But the thing is, there's been no cost to that in terms of the output for the season, because we're outscoring everyone except City. So, like, the only teams that that conceded fewer than us are City and Chelsea, and only City have outscored us, which is absolutely remarkable. And it just shows you... I mean, I I think this team is starting to look reasonably well-coached, in a way, um, but it's just the absolute gigantic amount of quality in forward position. I mean, today... Uh, All three goals in one way or another were moments of brilliant quality. Pogba did excellently to win the the free kick, uh, the 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 penalty, sorry. Fernandez's penalty is of an extremely high technical standard. I know it's a penalty, but still. Um, The Mason Greenwood goal is absolutely exceptional in the sense that you just never see that. You never see a, a, a player, a striker, screen a defender and then hit the ball that quickly out of his feet with that much power and precision into i mean that's that's different gravy isn't it i mean mason greenwood is different gravy he
1: he is and he's he's had a very good second half of the season or last third of the season you know however however you want to put it but um yeah it's become his sort of trademark hasn't it getting it out of his feet really quickly and and hitting it early and it seems to deceive goalkeepers all the time i mean you could say he's he's beaten martinez at the near post there but he's he's just hit it so early and so cleanly um with so much power that that's what's done the keeper and i think it would do most keepers yeah uh, yeah so and and look um three excellent goals as you say pogba did really well i mean Luis had three attempts at fouling him and then he was moaning, but the, the other Villa players were moaning as well, but moaning at Louise, not, not at the ref. I mean, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just the most obvious pen. Uh, and uh, Pogba tries to stay on his feet as well. Yeah. And then he's like barely up. And he gives him another shove through the backside. I mean, it's uh, really, really bad. Um, and then put away nicely. And then, and, and then, you know, we get. The third goal. The third goal, Rashford, who had been pretty bad, like he's been, those his last third decision making.
0: Exactly. Maybe. I was just going to say, absolutely brilliant, more or less up to the final ball. A lot of the time, like his his movement had been good, his running on the ball had been good, his dribbling had been good, but he was really struggling with those um, the last third um, execution really. And he puts in an, a beautiful, beautiful cross, and Edinson Cavani is just absolutely class. He's so, he's such a good
1: centre-forward. It's unreal. But, you know, I'm sorry sorry to zoom out a little bit, but how criminal was it that United waited all bloody (laughs) summer to sign this guy? So, you know, he's basically only played for us since October. And he wasn't fit because he'd been out for months. And it's taken him a few months to get fit and he's had a few niggles on along the way. And now the form we're seeing now is what we could have had basically all season, if they'd signed him in June, like they could have done. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, and no word on his contract, but the tea leaves are looking good, apparently, currently. Tea
1: leaves um, are looking good, yeah. I mean, lo- lo- a lot of chat from journalists. It seems the offer from Boca is for an extra year than United are offering. Um, but presumably, United's wage offer is substantially greater.
0: Yeah. And oh. Our- Edinson Cavani never playing in front of a packed Old Trafford would be a crime against football because, you know, that guy is so beloved by United fans at this point because he's offered something that we've needed for such a long time. You know, it, the natural comparison in terms of the last few years is Ibrahimovic, right? Because this high-profile striker formerly of Paris Saint-Germain um, in the sort of, m em- well, I was going to say twilight ember of his career, but somehow Zlatan is the Still scoring 100 goals a season and he's going to play in the Euros this summer. But he's a strange character. But my personal affection for Edinson Cavani is so much greater than it is for Zlatan. I remember when we did the backers' content after Zlatan left of every goal he'd scored, and they were such high quality, those goals, on average. The average quality of them was, I mean, it was outstanding. But he didn't make the team better. Him being there made it more likely we'd win games, but he rarely made the team look like it was playing better. But Cavani makes the team Tons better.
1: Yeah, that's true, and it was true of Lukaku as well, wasn't it? I mean, one of the reasons yeah, 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 why yeah, Oli, Oli shifted him out, despite all the goals he scored. I mean, his his record in Italy is now better than his record at United. Despite all of that, it's because he was looking for a a particular sort of dynamic up front, uh, which Lukaku couldn't give, and Ibrahimovic uh, didn't either. Um, And if United signed Haaland, he might not either. I mean, he's a mm. he's a phenomenal goal scorer um, but one of the reasons so it is said um, I don't have this on any kind of authority other than speculation um, that that Dortmund might be you know, not unhappy to lose him at some point is that he doesn't make the team better so mm-hmm. you know, it, it's it, like signing Cavani on for another season will be excellent it's a shame he's not five or six years younger because it's kind of kicking the, the problem down the road for a, another year or so but it's exactly what United must do you know and it doesn't yeah,
0: and, and almost th- there is a solution in the in the works because Mason Greenwood with another year under Cavani's wing, you can see the relationship between the two of them. When when against Roma, when they were starting on Greenwood and Cavani was straight in there to to take him out as if he hadn't damaged Roma enough spiritually, um, he wanted to do it physically as well. Um, oh, by the way, we haven't even. Backers, back stay tuned for the news that we haven't had a chance to cover yet on the podcast regarding Roma um, and their spectacularly st- strange decision-making <laughs> vis-a-vis managerial appointments. Thank you for giving us another season of content. Um, what what channel shows La Liga? I'm going to have to find out, right? That's anyway. Serie um, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry, Serie A. That's what I meant to say. But yeah, the the there's a relationship between the two of them and you know if greenwood can spend a year growing under cavani uh as a kind of understudy center forward and and you know regular inside forward this is uh i mean that's you know, potentially then cavani leaves and greenwood is
1: ready to be you know it's number 9 yeah but potentially yeah i mean there's a lot of question marks there aren't there but um yeah. you know so much talent in you know in the works there and and that's one of the, th- the things that's Obviously, saved United season or, or uh, uh, sorry, marked United season is the amount of talent there. You know, Rashford's yeah. not had as good a season as this last season, I'd say. A lot of that feels like his body is about to collapse. Even today, yeah. he was hobbling around with a, what looked like a knee problem. Um, you know, Cavani, as we've said, has, has come good in the second half of the season. A lot of that to do with fitness. Mason had a slow, slow start to the season. And actually, Martial, we barely mentioned him because he's injured. He's just he's had an absolutely terrible dreadful season. season. And normally if he wasn't, you know, Joel Glazer's favourite son and, and we didn't know what Martial could do, you'd be looking at shipping a player like that out. Just, mm. Um but you know, we know there's potential there, don't we? And um he's getting into yeah, his mid twenties now, so talking about potential <laughs> feels a bit redundant, doesn't it?
0: Exactly. But the thing is, it's not we know because last season he scored twenty plus goals. Did he get 20 league goals? No, no way. But no. he scored 20 plus goals across the season and 15 league goals or something. Like it was a, a really good season, one in two. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But uh, given the selection dilemmas, assuming Pogba stays, assuming Pogba is continues to be used in this position where you know he is clearly at his best in the position that he's currently playing. And I was thinking about this today. One of the things that was um, so vital to his time at Juventus and how phenomenally successful he was, people talk a lot about the midfield quartet he played alongside as part of. But the, the key kind of on-pitch relationship of his time at Juventus was his relationship with Patrice Evra, who was kind of fullback in inverted commas, but, you know, basically a left-winger and and him and Pogba just dominated that flank, and you've got that here in Spades. You've got Pogba and Luke Shaw, kind of redoing that double act, effectively to to tremendous, tremendous,
1: tremendous um, effect. Yes, and it, and it's awesome that um, Solskjaer has found found a way to get Pogba and Fernandez in the same side because they make stuff happen. You know, Fernandez. Mm. Last uh, eight games coming into this one, he had one goal, one assist, which which kind of says, you know, it's it's been a bit quiet for him, and I I, I do think that's a lot a lot of that's to do with, um, although you know across the season he's creating more chances than anyone else. Yeah, uh, is that in the league or is that in everything? Oh, uh, uh, in league, yeah, league. Yeah, because yeah. he did well against Roma, didn't yeah. he? Um, but but you know, it kind of backs up the eye test really, which. Which feels like he's he lost a little bit of his mojo. Um, mm-hmm. and I think but it
0: feels just, like it's back. Yeah. It feels like it's back. The last, I'd say the last three games, maybe since the first leg against Roma. Maybe that's Fernandez right.
1: Fernandez has felt like Fernandez to me. Yeah. I, I mean, he plays far too much. I mean, he plays every single minute, basically. Mm-hmm. And Solskjaer clearly doesn't trust uh, Van der Beek or, or, or anyone else to play in that position. You know, understandable given Fernandez's numbers, but. Um that you know he 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 played him a lot last season, felt like he was burning out towards the end of the season, and you know there was the uh the sort of um hints of that this season hopefully he's he's coming through it it's gonna be a tough last few games, but he's just gotta he's gonna have to man up and take on these last five games and have his two days break before he gets to the euros i guess
0: well you, you say man up i mean he just has to remain exactly as he has continued to be at all points saying like literally screaming at the manager for being substituted with 10 minutes left in games when we were winning by multiple goals because he's so annoyed about being taken off the pitch like this guy this guy is is obsessed with playing he he's his default emotion is anger at something <laughs> isn't it and it works well for yeah. him I wonder, um, you know, because he's he sort of been saying like, you know, when I was a kid, I'd play for seven or eight hours and I wouldn't get tired. So how can I be tired now? And it's like, well, I mean, biomechanics, like, you know, children have a different relationship with the energy to adults and, you know, lots of different reasons uh, why that. Also, the when he was a child, he was not competing
1: at elite levels, <laughs> yeah. where, you know, Although, one or two percent difference in, in you know, physical output is, uh, is quite big.
0: Yeah, although I do imagine that when he was a child, he was competing with an insane fervor and will to win because uh, I don't think that's a new thing for him. Um, the, the, the attacking unit functioned excellently in the in the second half of that game once again. And it is, you know, at some point, it'll go wrong. I mean, you, you can't imagine that next season we're going to go through the whole season losing 1-0 every first half and winning every game. Like, that's probably not going to happen and we've talked a lot about the things that are needed to make this team um, genuine title challenges I mean it is funny that we're kind of constantly delaying City winning the league just you know one one like by having a fight a week ago and today by you know hey going one look it's still MMA. on we
1: beat Leicester and Liverpool and City lose yeah. to Newcastle on Friday night whoa <laughs> they'll be getting nervous s- at main, main Road no Main Road Main Road <laughs> Only fifteen years out of date. That one. <laughs> Those are some gigantic ifs, aren't they? They are. Yeah, they are. But um, you, no, you're right. Like, you know, a lot of a nice attacking play. Um, you know, particularly in the sort of first fifteen minutes and the the last the second half of the game. Eighteen, 18 shots today, um, which is a good number, and you know, do a good value for the win in the end. did didn't look yeah, like it for absolutely. a certain period of that game. Did it? I mean, especially with Villa pressing well and, and United struggling with that a little bit, which is another weakness, which is, you know, fairly obvious. Um and and uh, many teams try to exploit it, but but that that front front four um functioned really well and Edison came up to mop up again. There's
0: this um you know, that meme format that's grown in the last few months where it's like a thing and then it's subdivided like this bit of this. It's done with movies and songs and pints of beer and all sorts of things. And someone did it with a United match and it's like first 10 minutes. Oh, this is pretty good. Oh, we're 1-0 down. And the third one is, oh God, I hate this club. We're so useless. Please save us, Bruno. And then the last segment is, yes, we've done it again, lads. We're going to win the league. Which is like, this is, I, I, that's a meme that I I saw that weeks ago and today, you could almost track it to the minute by those exact brackets. Like it is remarkably, it's a remarkably consistent pattern in an inconsistent and strange season that United have been good at the beginning of games, lose it, go 1 0 down. Bruno does something that starts the ball rolling and then we end up playing really fantastic attacking football at some point in games and uh blowing a lot of teams away and and not only you know this is there's multiple times recently we've been 1-0 down at half time and 1-3-1 you know it's not even like and also the other thing that happens is whenever it's 2-1 we look like we're about to clown show it and concede like that happens that happened today and that the third goal in the comebacks, is the biggest relief in the world right now because it's like, oh, thank God, there's a there's a Lindelof
1: buffer. Yeah, well, that's right. Matic comes on and you're like, God. <laughs> comes on to secure up the defence. But it, that's worked twice recently. I can't
0: remember if it was, I was going to say if it was the last league game, but uh, that was weeks ago. Um, so it must have been against Roma. Um, and when you say where... weeks ago, four days ago or something, I mean,
1: it's like, a... Just insane this season, the amount of football. When did we
0: last we last played a league game two weeks ago, two weeks right? Ago. Yeah, yeah. Um and then since then we've played the two games against Roma. Yeah. The Liverpool game didn't happen and there was this.
1: It did not. I, mean, I, I wonder if Thursday's Liverpool game will happen. There's certainly some people who are hell bent on making sure it doesn't, but we'll see. I mean that's fascinating. Should we um
0: should we just take a quick pause and then and then talk about yep. uh, Roma or should we quick Let's on? do it.
1: Quick, right. quick pause. We'll be with you for Roma. All right. So yeah, Roma. I mean, I, d- I guess we don't need to talk loads about it. You actually had such no. a big cushion that I did wonder what kind of performance we'd get. Bad turned out main- very, very bad. <laughs> is the one that we got mainly bad. Yeah, I mean, you know, we took we talked a bit about poor old Donny not getting time on the pitch. He doesn't do himself any good, does he? When he when he does have time on the pitch, I don't I don't think I can think of a performance where I've thought, yeah, that's the player that very nearly joined Real Madrid before they realised that the cheque would bounce, and um, and and ended up at United, and 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 he was so good in that that season where. Ajax were robbed by Tottenham and should have made the Champions League final and we've seen none of that from him and he was he was particularly bad in this game against Roma you know so so were the the back four um Eric Bailly we talk about an awful lot not sure he did himself loads of fam- favors in this game I mean you know, well they were they were all right in the first half and then Solskjaer took off
0: the two fullbacks and then it completely fell apart. Right. Like they've made one big save in the first half. But by the end of the two legs, United's XG was 5.2. And this is about the pens, 5.2, and Roma's was 4.2. Roma got so many XGs in that game that they almost caught up. I mean, United got a few too. But like David De Gea made so many saves from close range in that game. It was absolutely ridiculous because like by the time it's 3-1 they, you're wobbling there's an it's an actual wobble but it nearly turned into like you know uh, oh my god the brickwork's collapsing around my ears kind of wobble in that second half
1: yeah Rome had 12 shots from inside the penalty spot from twelve yards out, that's <laughs> I, unbelievable. I mean, you know, nearly five xg from Roma. Yes, just they were just all over the place defensively, especially as you say, especially that second half. You're, you're absolutely right. Those the fullback changes were the, the key ones. And and um Alex, tell us, we've learned a little bit about him this season. I mean, we've learned that he likes whipping a ball in, and he's just not very good defensively. Brandon Williams, though, that's the the big disappointment, really, isn't it? Uh, he's so talented and we expected him to, to do so much more. We spent a lot of time on this pod last season complaining that he wasn't in the side ahead of Luke Shaw. That's incredible. Um, I think, the, it I think feels even, incredible now. I think
0: this season we might have
1: talked about that. At the beginning of this yeah. season's incredible. He, he was supposed to get a loan to Southampton. In the end, that didn't materialize because they wanted the extra fullback cover for Wan Bissaka. But Wan Bissaka's played over fifty games this season and, and Luke Shaw's not got no sorry, Brandon Williams has not got a sniff. Mm. I don't know what's happening behind the scenes. You know, they, it feels like there must be something. he's too talented a player to to not get any game time at all, basically.
0: But this is Solskjaer just doesn't like having a plan B. I mean he doesn't like plan he likes his plan A and and he does, he'll, he'll yeah. adapt plan A when he absolutely has to change it. But you know, and and what's remarkable is is actually how well the fitness of these players has held up. I mean, we've talked about our kind of frustration in particular with Rashford and uh, Fernandes, the way the two of them have been handled, but their output has just been almost sustained with a brief kind of dip from Bruno. But Rashford's output
1: has barely dipped at all. I mean, maybe is hasn't, you know... So Not yeah. quite the same numbers as last season, but still still decent. Still really yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, look, you're right. she talks about it all the time. He he talks about the fitness and his plan to get them fitter and he, he um, his pod on uh, Well, to God, we didn't talk about that. His pod. His pod. Uh, pod. His press conference uh, ahead of this game was pretty dreadful in terms of his sort oh, of I didn't whitewashing see. of... You didn't see it. Right, so... You know, there's there's two parts of the press conference. One's the public press conference um, and then one's the written press press conference, which is behind closed doors. So the the Times had a whole bunch of quotes from the written press press conference, which was basically backed up what he said in the public one, um, where he talked about, you know, a little bit about fitness, as I was mentioning, um, and the periodization that they're trying to do, especially with the players that don't play so often. Uh, it's hard to periodize when you're playing every 48 hours. Um, I mean, or impossible. In fact, uh, but then the the whole, yeah. You know, obviously, there were an awful lot of questions about the protests, and and basically, he just trotted out the company line, which is, um, you know, everyone has a right to protest, but when it spills over into to violence and uh, it becomes a police matter, then it's too far. Which is like trying to make this equivalence to to say that that protest was all about violence, which it absolutely wasn't. Nope. Um. So, um. You know, I have to say, I was pretty disappointed by that, but not surprised. I mean, yeah, he's obviously extremely grateful that he's got a job and got his dream job, um, you know, in the most unex- you know, unexpected of circumstances. So he's going to defend his employers, as did Fergie, as do, I guess, most managers in th- those kind of situations. But uh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't wholly impressive, I have to say. Well, social is rarely wholly impressive, is he?
0: And, and, you know, and this is, this is within the context of, I think his achievements have been extremely impressive but he isn't he rarely comes across as I don't know it's rare that he comes across as truly impressive he he often comes across as slightly thin-skinned um slightly winging it you know all of these kinds of things all of which are you know he clearly is impressing the players because these players are playing their hearts out for this guy there's you know yeah. this is this is very evident so that's the, that's the actually important thing not that he impresses some chumps on a podcast you know
1: um but yeah well i guess so although you know we we uh, we're churning out a pods worth of uh, chumps talking about football <laughs> on a podcast every week so you know got to talk about something anyway you know that was a brief segue into I, I didn't feel great about that, I have to say. Well, uh, but, but I, you know, I, I'm feeling good about this team and its progression. Yeah. Uh, I'm I'm the, the cynical uh, little chap on my shoulder chatting in my ear uh, saying uh, what we really need to progress the next time around is saying that's not going to happen, but we'll see. Maybe that'll surprise me. But- Maybe Joel will after he's, you know heartfelt letter he sent out this week I mean listen
0: if we're not humble enough to say that this team can surprise us we're not paying attention yeah. to what we do at the end of last yeah. season and the beginning of this season I said last season would be a, an excellent transition season if it was backed up but I didn't think it would be backed up I don't think either of us had United close to finishing second in our in our season preview so they
1: continue to be better than we expect them to be and that could happen yeah, and, again and so some of that that could happen again I don't know whether it means we'll be surprised 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 about how far they go forward that would surprise me but they've surprised me with the consistency of the results for sure um it's it's been helped a little bit by uh the inevitable Mourinho Tottenham meltdown and Chelsea now performing I think to the standard of the quality of players that they have um in a way they didn't for for Lampard and now are for Tuchel who's you know a very pragmatic manager and has kind of taken the decision to to make sure Chelsea don't concede and they're getting great results as a result.
0: Yeah, and it's been our league position has been helped by Liverpool being rubbish too, but we've won
1: 20 out of our 34 games. We've lost four yeah. games, we've lost less fewer games than City. Like Yeah, no, no, I is... that that is incredible. That is incredible and, you know, um touch wood, that's that's all it is this season. I mean, god, it's a, it's a big ask um in the next two games coming up not to lose any just just given the amount of kind of physical um you know output they've they've had to give just playing i mean when did the last time when do they have a when did they have a break these players they haven't had a break it's not often yeah it's just yeah i mean you just expect burnout Uh, maybe they'll surprise us because everyone else expects burnout as well yeah although liverpool liverpool have had more time off recently yeah as of leicester um
0: so let's talk about, um, before we talk about Joel Glazer's letter, There was two pieces of communication I wanted to talk about uh, out of the club. One was the the club's statement, which really wound me up. The statement on, I think it was Monday. Um, now, I understand why the club have to condemn the fans who broke into the stadium. Of course they do. Of, of course they have to say, we can't accept this as an institution. I mean, that's just completely straightforward. The one thing that really bothered me though is that they specified uh, the fans' violence towards the police, which I agree was bad. It needed one more line and we condemn, and if it's proven to be the case, we of course condemn any violence from the police towards our fans. Because this is like, why is the Club, the institution on the side inherently on the side of the police in a battle between the police. And this is this is one of the things where the nature of ownership is uh, of a club is really significant. Why is the club on the same? Why is that the default that the club and the police are in lockstep on this? Why aren't the fans? Why isn't why isn't, isn't the club advocating for the way that the fans were treated by the police as much as the way the police were treated by the
1: fans? Yeah, well, we know the answer um one because there's an assumption that police are there to protect property um from some kind of you know superficial damage um and the two is this this is not a club that has ever thought it is on the side of the fans or, or that they're any, they are we are anything other than customers to be exploited you know and to 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 get their average revenue up from you know, so that's why um and and they're going to take a strong line because I guess they will see internally that that they can't be seen to be condoning like invasion and of of the yeah you know, of the ground oh, right yeah. And postponing games. But they but, can't. Like, I mean, I guess no, they can't. But the other thing to do is not be absolutely hypocritical and absolutely completely transparent in their PR nonsense. You know, how many? Like, who? believed that letter from Joel Glazer that came out. Who? Like, what is the audience that that is written for? Not by Joel Glazer, by the way, but by some PR flunkies. Sorry, PR flunkies, if you're listening. Um, But, you know, it's just pathetic, that one. Uh, He says, as one of the few European clubs listed on on the Stock Exchange, we're, of course, in favour of fans owning shares. Of course they are, because fans go buy a bunch of shares in the structure they're in now, it pushes the share price up and makes the Glazers even richer. Gives fans zero power, zero control and zero say. Of course they'd love that. You absolute gimp. I mean, you know, like, what, what idiot falls for that nonsense? And and to believe, after not bothering to consult not only not the fans, nor the institutions in football, the FA, the Premier League, UEFA, nor the manager nor the players, are we supposed to believe they're like de- deeply, heartfeltly sorry now? Of course they're not. They're sorry because they got caught and and um, a populist government uh, decided to push back publicly. It, it really could have gone the other way, couldn't it? It could have gone the other way um, if it was, a, a you know, if it was slightly different circumstances politically. And I think that's the thing that, that made this all turn. So I don't believe for a moment that there's any feeling of sorrow other than they saw dollar signs in front of their eyes and they're not getting it now um and and like i don't know whether there is yeah, because obviously this is a a particular type of fan legacy fan as perez put it um that is protesting at old trafford i don't know whether the the feelings towards the, the super league and the glazer ownership is you know markedly different out there in the the world and and you know we have to recognize that Manchester United is a global institution now with millions of fans or over a billion if you believe um the the clubs spin whether well, that's that's different but man who's gonna even so who is gonna fall for that
0: yeah I mean I agree with all of what you just said like every single one i'm that's not this isn't a precursor to saying but Well, I am going to say but, but not to disagree with literally a word of what you said, like that you'd have to be just, I don't know, you'd you'd have to be the most kind of Pollyanna-esque, like doe-eyed optimist in the universe to believe that the emotional language that was used, um, uh, I mean, I was personally humbled by parts of your letter. This is a reply to a letter from the Fans Forum, as you explained so clearly why our initial support for the European Super League left you feeling angry and let down. I would like to reiterate my sincere apology for the mistakes that were made. That is, there's not an iota of me that believes that that's accurate because this is exactly the, the apology of someone who is hoping to, that saying they're sorry will do the job because it's transparently obvious that if they cared about what the fans thought, they could have,
1: you know, asked the fans what they thought. So that's... In the years of planning. Exactly. Oh, we just accidentally stumbled into this yeah. thing. We weren't really sure what was happening. Uh, you know, which has been the line from Chelsea and City as well, and Arsenal, by the way. Tottenham haven't said anything <laughs> because they were just to be invited. <laughs> they were like, what? Yeah. what? You're going to invite us? <laughs> Too
0: busy sacking Jose Mourinho as well. Um, but the, the thing about this letter that is actually interesting is its existence. This is the thing that is interesting. And the, um, the straight up in black and white promise to invest in, um, the, uh, stadium and the training ground, like just. Just straight up just said um i can't find it off the the top of my head um but just just straight up saying uh that they are they're planning to change the way that they engage with the fans um back, like support the government's Uh, whatever, you know, the thing that the government are doing. I mean, it's nonsense. But just the... um, uh, We recognise that we will need to significantly increase the investment in Old Trafford and our training complex in order to ensure that the club's facilities remain among the best in Europe. As part of this... Remain. mm.
1: Remain. That's an interesting (laughs) use of that word Well, it's like
0: rebuilding trust. He's good at at using words like that. Um, As part of this, we will consult with fans on investments related to the stadium and the match they experience. And now... uh, it, this is evidence of direct action working, right? This is the, he would not be saying this if United fans hadn't got to the point of stopping a game going ahead. This is yeah. this is people who are absolutely genuinely shook by the power of the direct action. It's worth saying that um, this is, I don't know for sure that this is true, but I was told that um, four armoured transport vehicles uh, accompanied United's coach to the airport to get to the Roma game.
1: Like, they they are <laughs> shooketh. They are, like, this is these, I mean, you know, you mentioned... Not, not since the, the Glazer vehicle coming into Old Traf- Trafford was literally shooketh. Yeah, right. Have they yeah. been so... Sugar. Yeah. Yes. No. Look, I I do agree with that. I, I mean, it is direct action, and they are they have been moved to at least write a completely disingenuous letter, which they haven't bothered to do since 2005. Yeah. So couldn't even be bothered with that in the past. So yeah, we've made some. Um, they progress. Have, Yeah, they have instructed their PR monkeys to do some PR monkeying. Um, well, they've and, made a firm um,
0: font. They've made a in black and white promise to the fans forum that there'll be investment in the training ground and the yes, stadium. Yes, but
1: but no no details. No, I mean of that. course. And and they've and of course the spin, um, because this line has come out um in many press reports is they have been investing in the stadium. And, you know, um there has literally been investment. They've added some new seats in parts and especially when they had to change the the logo in the Stretford End from Nike, to <laughs> Um they they've had to keep the um, the especially the the kind of boxes and commercial areas up to date because that's that's competition. It's not just competition for for you know, getting fans into seats, but it's competition with all the other clubs around the country that have that kind of corporate sponsorship Pati- and entertainment. Particularly you know. City, like just you know. yeah, and particularly City, yeah. Um, but but you know. All of the big clubs, because that's what they're really, it's like corporate entertainment, it's not fans going to games. So that that has been um, invested in. They had to invest in um, new disabled areas uh, because of Premier League regulations, so they reconfigured a lot of what was the K-stand as a result of that. So, you know, some of the investments were absolutely um, necessary and forced on them. Um, but Old Trafford, you know, many parts of Old Trafford is uh, an old ground, mm, you know, it's, it's tight um it's it's a hundred years old some of it you know especially the south stand hasn't really changed like in forever basically um the north stand is now 25 years old um and, and so there are parts of old trafford that, that are old and haven't been updated you know the roof famously leaks as we we all saw yeah um and and so that is all true uh united Haven't and and I suspect won't go down the route of doing a major refurb or a rebuild. Arsenal, Tottenham rebuilds, major refurb at at, um, Liverpool. Obviously, City got their free ground, um, uh, which was good for them, and so did West Ham. And and um, on the continent, Real Madrid are spending three to four hundred million euros on completely refurbishing the Bernabeu, which you know as we were talking on the Backers Pod last last time out is going to look completely spectacular they can't afford it but you know by the by. so you know they have fallen behind in terms of you know uh, developing our traffic hasn't developed at all since the glazers arrived as we mentioned the quadrants were pre-signed off i guess they could have stopped it and didn't but um at the time they were actually focused on squeezing more money out of fans so they probably saw the return on investment case for that one whereas now dumping 100 150 million in Building over the train tracks and 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 you know increasing the capacity of the ground and improving facilities—it just doesn't make sense for them, I guess. One of the things that I think is is kind of interesting, and and at some point we will have the
0: Peter Lim Valencia Salford Gary Neville conversation about his um uh the level of the level to which he probably is complicit in doing some not dissimilar things to the things he's absolutely uh you know a- absolutely against yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Um, i'm Salford the manchester city of the lower leagues aren't <laughs> they yeah although he's never expressed any
0: discomfort with the the idea of a new owner coming in and putting millions in but anyway i wonder how much the um the gloves being completely off there um has shifted the the conversation just because the tone around the glazers has gone I mean, we talked about soonest last week. Um I uh, I've I've just come off Twitter for a bit and I think I'm gonna stay off it for as long as I possibly can. Um but I, I tweeted on Monday after after not tweeting over the weekend previously, just just Soonest shouldn't have a job anymore because he's on Sky Sports, literally, literally conveying misinformation to millions of people as if it's fact. Um someone picked up uh, that perhaps there was a problem with me saying that, given that I spout extreme left-wing politics on a on a podcast, and I to which I would reply, "You want to meet someone who's actually extremely left-wing?" Um, and also, uh, I opinion and informa- and misinformation are not the same. I've never uh, willingly lied on this podcast about a, a fact, whereas you know, I mean, he soonest literally talked about the Glazers putting up collateral to buy United, which. They literally did not. Like, the collateral they put up was Man United. Like, that's yeah, right. that's how leverage buyouts work, kids.
1: Um, but, yeah. Yes, I mean, look, look he's spouting nonsense. Um, Gary Neville's position, yes, doesn't chime super well with his his partial ownership of Salford. Um, there was an interesting profile over the weekend um, about uh, FC United. I can't remember which publication I was reading it in. Maybe in The Athletic. And... Um, Um, contrasting that because, of course, they were in the same division not that long ago, Um, and then the investment has made a a big difference to Salford's position, obviously. So, you know, it's not the same thing, but does it square very neatly with his opinions on how the Glazers run their club? Yes, it does,
0: because uh, he's saying that the problem is underinvestment and leeching off the club, which is obviously not what they're doing at Salford, so... No,
1: no, no! Right, you know they're benevolent dictators. Peter, uh, Peter at Valencia model. Though. Yes, interesting. Yes, yeah. I mean, he uh, he pulled his support somewhat, didn't he? Um, and and it's been um, it's been a difficult time for Valencia, and and uh, they're selling players to Manchester City all the time. Um, Anyway, uh, an, another piece of news, related news this week. Um, the Hutt Group, which is sort of multi-brand uh, food and other stuff, fitness equipment and protein powders and that kind of stuff, pulled their £200 million, 10-year sponsorship of United's training kit and training ground this week over fan protests. I mean, that's mad. I, I, don't how, I, I mean, so, yeah, it's 20 million a season. It's a significant chunk of change, isn't it? You know, it's um, that would have like, nearly 10% of United's... Uh, commercial revenues commercial revenues 279 last time out they're going to go down though because the team viewer shirt sponsorship deal is quite a bit lower i mean you know nearly 15 million pounds a season lower than the the chevrolet deal um, so yeah united's commercial commercials are under pressure it's been flat for 5 years anyway completely tapped out there um, all the genius of the glazers sort of regional um, sorry genius Quote marks. You can't see that because it's a podcast. Um, uh, you know, it's, it's old hat now. Everyone's caught up and surpassed United, um, and and so you know, like this, this is big. It's it's not just the symbolism of a major new sponsor sponsor pulling out because of direct action, but it's a big chunk of change that that means something to the Glazer family's model. The other thing that's kind of interesting because
0: the the, the Different businesses would have a very different relationship with a threat of fan boycott. Like I'm sure Adidas are not in the slightest bit bothered by the idea of a United fan boycott. They're just the the scale of their the, the point of branding for Adidas is very different for the point of branding for the Hut Group or Teamviewer, right? Teamviewer, are a company that loads of us had never even heard of um before they got the united sponsorship deal and they're trying to make themselves really visible to a big new audience taking a massive gamble the geezer who set up no their share price tanked right he didn't get sacked the share price tanked because it was such a big bet um and then uh, their trust pilot reviews <laughs> took uh, took one hell of a beating uh, Those have been restored now but um but for a company like that that's the last thing you want from you, you you don't want an association with a brand that might be tainted and toxic that the people who you're um trying to attract by by re- engaging with that brand are going to be actively turned off your product by you engaging with that brand and and given that the sponsors that we are getting are Team Viewer and the Hut Group like two things i've never heard of are sponsoring United's shirt and they were going to be sponsoring the training ground and the training kit i mean that is that's a serious like where we're at as a as a kind of attractiveness oh, yeah. proposition the only big money is in companies taking a big swing
1: it's um absolutely it's been a while since united signed an a1 premium brand as a sponsor yeah they they are squeezing as much blood out of this this stone as they can but It's, you know, the lack of success, relative lack of success on the pitch. Um, We we've argued about whether that makes a big difference. Ed Ed Woodward said no, it makes no difference at all. Um, But but the 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 pushback on Woodward's analysis there is that is is the order of magnitude. Yes, United like two hundred seventy nine million is still uh, the biggest in the Premier League in terms of commercial revenues. It might not be next season. By the way, you know, City. Pulling an awful lot of commercial revenues these days, some of it, yeah, quite a bit of it related parties. So you know, um, like, um, uh, yeah, all right, much like Paris Saint Germain's uh, sponsors all beginning with Q, um, <laughs> and by Munich's too, by the way. Yeah. But yeah, you know, hey, different argument. Uh, so look, um, it's it, that that argument that success doesn't matter. It, it's been challenged. Um, when, you, when you're when you going off to, you know, C-list brands and and ones that uh, are really hoping to make a name for themselves. On the counter um, is that United's argument that uh, the club's sort of brand reach and loyalty around the world really makes a difference to those brands that wants to make a global splash. Yeah. So what Chevrolet wanted to do matters, you know, and they're still making that argument and there are still sponsors that buy that argument. Now, if you're if you're associated, have all that reach and it's a tainted brand um, because the fans are rioting uh, and are deeply unhappy with the owners, then, yeah, there's a big question mark there.
0: Yeah. Um, now, of course, they'll be able to find another sponsor. Might might be less money, but... Um, but this, there's a, there is, there is a cat among the pigeons. This is not nothing. They got Man United, Liverpool pulled off the telly, and you know we didn't really talk about this. But what came out in the aftermath um, of the conversation and the the brilliant episode of Second Captains, uh, where there was a journalist who was uh, was. At the Lowry with that group of fans, describing the people at the Lowry as, well, we knew this, of course, but they were the organized hardcore that were absolutely determined to get this match called off. That that was the that was the yep. goal of the protest. And everything that happened at Old Trafford was essentially a smokescreen um, for the real point of this protest, which was to make sure, Manion, that we decide when you play, that banner that was taken to the training ground, that that wasn't an idle threat, that was a, that was a kind of statement of intent for a a genuine attempt to reclaim some aspect of, uh, of the ownership of this club.
1: Yeah, um, absolutely. I mean, uh, it's, it's obviously, uh, you know, more than a week past that protest now, but, um, well worth listening to that second captain's episode if if you haven't already. Um, you know, excellent, excellent details there, and, and again, uh, a lot of detail in the Athletic as, as well amongst you know about the different aspects of fan groups and which bits were organised and which bits were kind of instinctive. And, you know, I think storming Old Trafford was instinct, wasn't it? Good instinct. Don't break stuff, lads. But you know, I mean, getting on the pitch, break some stuff, like but. Yeah, I know, or I not, mean, look, it really doesn't matter. It. Like, yeah, it, it doesn't, don't break people. Yeah, definitely. But, you know, breaking a couple of doors, which are probably moulding anyway, <laughs> yeah, yeah but whatever. Um, but yes, you know, the, the, the lads at the Lowry had a plan, Yeah, and um, and we now know executed on it very well. Of which, to segue into this week's games, there is apparently another plan um uh, for Thursday's game against um Liverpool at Old Trafford we'll see i presume united will be a bit more organized in terms of their security planning and there's some kind of 12 foot concrete wall now being built around old trafford to make sure uh fans are not able to do that uh, i doubt the team will be staying at the Lowry beforehand
0: yeah um but of course manchester's not a i mean it's a big city and it's not a big city isn't it like they're gonna. Everyone's gonna know where United are staying. That's not. Yeah, know.
1: information gets around. Yeah, maybe they're staying in uh, Jose's old flat in the Keys. <laughs>
0: well,
1: no, wasn't that? That was the Lowry. He just stayed at the Lowry the whole time. He, he was say, there. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. Who, who had it? Was it LVG who had the
0: apartment? Yeah, might well have on been. the water. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So uh, we'll. We'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, Leicester, the Leicester game, and Leicester are in an absolute state. The fact that they were 4 0. I mean, they lost that game 4 2, which sort of looks bad, but not atrocious. But they were 4 0 down with like 15 minutes to go in that. It might even been later than that that uh, Leicester scored their first. Um, so, I mean, they got hammered by Newcastle United. Like, Newcastle. We were talking about them probably going down not that long ago and they absolutely destroyed Leicester it's happening again and it's only the sort of um uh I mean West Ham lost today uh Brendan Rodgers must have been doing cartwheels watching West Ham lose to Everton because this game has taken on slightly less importance for them but it, it was going to be if West Ham had won today you'd be in must-win territory for that game
1: yeah I mean it's still difficult for Leicester they play us um obviously it helps it helps Leicester that United are playing a lot of games at the moment. They then play Spurs and they play Chelsea. So um and you know, Spurs are in a, a mess, as we saw at the weekend. Um so like who knows where that will go. But Chelsea obviously in, in fine form at the moment, um, depending on what kind of side they want to play by the end there. But yeah, to get looking really, like look really secure most of the season, that Champions League spot for Leicester. Um, definitely doesn't now, and and uh, it's a big blow for West Ham today. Um, but Liverpool and Chelsea looking, you know, in decent form, and obviously United going to have a lot to to say about, um, especially Leicester and Liverpool in the weeks to come. Oli was asked about it, said he's not bothered, it's not his problem. Um, what who, who gets into the Champions League? And absolutely right, he only has to worry about United and and today's victory. You know, I, Champions League was was all but secured anyway. I think I think do we only need a point against Leicester to do it? Something like that. I mean it's it's all but secured, but uh second place is looking um pretty good, I'd say.
0: Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to kind of blow it not to not to get second. And and I, I think we might finish second even if we lose both of these games, which we might we might well do. And I don't mean that in a sort of doomy gloomy defeatist kind of way. I, I almost feel like I mean it's interesting, isn't it? Because you've got the, the sort of physical challenge of it. When you looked at it mapped out from the Roma, the second leg of Roma, where we were playing Thursday, Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. It's this week that's the peak physical challenge, isn't it? Because next week we're playing Tuesday and then Sunday. I think. Um, let me just let me just let me just make sure I'm not doing as soon as and spouting literal misinformation on on our podcast. Yeah,
1: Leicester Tuesday, Liverpool Thursday, break over the weekend, Fulham on the Tuesday. Wolves on the Sunday. They're, and Wolves on the Sunday. So, yeah. So, you know, they at least get four days off or five days off or whatever it is.
0: Yeah, that's been the rhythm in the whole season, hasn't it? So we've got this situation where it's this week that's absolutely crucial. It's worth saying, of course, after Wolves on the
1: Sunday, it is the Thursday that week, right? That the, uh, when, the Wednesday went- that week is Wednesday that week, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um Villarreal I mean they're still competing in La Liga for um just a slight tangent but Villarreal are still competing in La Liga for a Europa League spot. Um yeah they they've got a good chance of getting that they're in one of those spots now so they do have some consequential games to play Real Madrid on the final day of the season so I don't know whether there'll be big advantage for United and um, we'll see how the results uh, for for Villarreal in like they can rest all their players and we can yeah. I mean hey maybe United We'll be in such a good position by the final day that that the the you know second string and some kids whoever can come out of the right bubble can can play against Wolves on the final day. We'll see. Yeah. But, um yeah. I mean, beating Leicester on Tuesday we go a hell of a long way to then be able to rest everyone for the league games for the final three games. But
0: although Ole has said he doesn't care who qualifies, we all want Leicester to get there ahead of Liverpool, right? So really, sure. play the weekend team on the Tuesday and like fully go for it on the Thursday. That's that's and <laughs> yeah. but also yeah. that
1: that almost makes sense. The morally correct thing yeah, to exactly. do.
0: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but it also might be the kind of physiologically correct thing to do because um the players that have just played today Tuesday will be the day when you'd really be damaging them. If they play again on Thursday, that's kind of all right. It kind of makes sense to say, okay, the Le- Leicester is the one with the big rotation, and uh, and Liverpool is the game with the where, where you're really looking to play everyone. He might try and play everyone in both games. I don't think that's impossible. Not quite everyone, but most everyone. Maybe one yeah, or two um, changes. It's a, it's a
1: smallish group anyway. I mean, it's not like he can he can do a Fergie and pull out all the the kids for you know as as used used do in the Carling Cup, like you can't do it they're different bubbles so they'd have to make that decision now in fact they've almost certainly I'm sure Ollie has basically decided his his team for Tuesday and his team for thursday um, and I think there will be heavy rotation. I know he's against it um but there's just there has to be some of these players who are right on the edge, especially Marcus, you know you'd think Bruno as well will be in the danger zone for injury. He doesn't seem to get injured, but like this would be a big disaster for him to get injured. Maguire will get a forced, enforced. Wrist. Yeah, he
0: looked. I mean, um, Sasha said we're not sure if it's days or weeks yet um, for that one. It, it looked pretty nasty. Um, Did yeah. so. I mean, that's that's more like is he going to be fit for the Europa League final more than is he going to play a part in the league? I suspect.
1: Yeah, and he might not, um, which will you know mean a big. Big call in the in the games to come. I mean, Eric Bayou will get some games now, which he's been asking for, and he'll he'll have to show us his. Uh Good enough to take over from uh, Harry Maguire. Uh, It's just such a shame because it's so obvious that Baye
0: and Maguire is the best of United Central defensive partnerships that are possible. But anyway. Um, All right. Anyway. Uh, I'm going to predict that we... um, I'm going to predict that we draw one all with Leicester and that the Liverpool game
1: doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to ask you that, yeah. What, What are your thoughts on us getting any minutes? Uh, I, I mean, look, if the Liverpool game doesn't happen, we're in really deep, troubling territory there. So um, I, th- I think the Premier League took the view that um, United were not at fault uh, for, for the game being called off last time out. They might take a different view if it was called off again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I very much for protest and I think direction, direct action was important. Um, I... Yeah, we'll see. I don't know whether it would be a good thing if it happened again. Um, so yeah, I'll. Um, I, I think Leicester's going to be troubling, but they're fortunately in bad form. So let's let's call it two all. Um, since we like conceding goals with the second string and Liverpool, uh, I'm just going to. It's going to be terrible, isn't it? The the quality of that game is just going to be awful, so I'm going to say zero zero. Yeah, no. If that day, if that game does happen, I think
0: Liverpool are going to win because they just need it way way more than us. And fine margins in a game like that will go a long way. They've you know yeah, that's, I,
1: I, yeah. But I'm not predicting Liverpool victory, no. you know, because it's it's no yeah, me it's neither. Wrong.
0: I'm getting out of it by predicting that the game won't happen. I'm predicting a, a victory for Anarchy. All right, Uh, thanks everyone. Patreon backers, stay tuned for more. Uh, We'll probably be back uh, at the weekend, like on Monday as normal, um, because of just the way the games uh, go and work schedules and stuff. Um, We'll cover both of these games next weekend and release the pod on Monday um, uh, ahead of the Fulham game. So uh, we'll see you then. Patreon backers, stay tuned for more.
1: All right, have a good one.